Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm like I said, I'm gonna do this podcast form, and then we can, I'll cut out for the newscast tonight. So, joined now by longtime Blackhawk basketball coach, a good friend, a neighbor of mine, if you will, Darren Bazzari. Darren, before we talk basketball and a lot of other stuff, what has the last two, three weeks been like for you? It's just you know you feel like the world's upside down, and uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things that people are running into is you feel just very disconnected when you're not in your regular routine and and uh you know you're 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 working from home and and going going to the office isn't an option and it's just uh it's just almost a world gone mad it's funny because i just went down to milan hyvee yesterday um we're out in the same area and i felt like people were afraid to even say hi which i understand the social distancing and stuff but it does it messes with people and i saw a few things on social media today we're taping this on march 30th but it feels like march 60th or march 90th like this is i love march madness but maybe not this year <laughs> well and i don't know about you but it, you you almost have to think back to it really wasn't that long ago that they were talking about canceling tournament things like that it feels like forever ago and uh i mean it, it's just it's easy to lose track of, of days and dates and and it's like I said it's it's certainly uh, a much different life that we know right now and I, I, hopefully when this is all done it'll make us all appreciate more of what normal routine life is like. You are a basketball junkie like myself, not having March Madness, and I'm not just saying on the college level and 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 what you do, but on the on the high school level with, with uh, your closeness to Rock Ridge and your son just played there a few years ago and not having state champions in Illinois. What has that been like for a basketball junkie like yourself? You know, I, it's, it's the time of year we all look forward to. And, you know, I mean, I, I reveled in watching, uh, you know, the replays of the, of the, uh, the, of the best March Madness games and watch them like it's the first time you ever, you know, watch it. And it's just one of those where, uh, you know, you just you try to enjoy it, and you, you go go back and, and look and watch just to to, to get a, a feel for it. But you know, I, I feel I feel bad for kids that didn't get a chance to play state champs again. How awful would that be? You you work so hard, you, you get to state, and then you, you don't get to play. And and even worse yet, you know, we're talking spring sports, and as you know, I love baseball, and softball, mm-hmm. and these these kids may not get to play, and college is not not able to play. And it's just it's really hard to 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 understand and to, and to feel you know for those people that work that hard and, and, and get something taken away from them that they've worked so hard to prepare for and and um like i said you know march madness i mean you know think about how, how many consecutive years people have filled out brackets and talked about it and it's just it's really changed the, it shows shows how much the the culture and uh, the fabric uh march madness is into our society We'll talk a lot of basketball with you, but you kind of touched on it. A lot of basketball, people, the people think basketball and they lost that season. I, I talked to Joe Wieskamp last week, and he said, you know, they got to play their season. They didn't get to finish it, and they would have liked to, but you hit the nail on the head. There's baseball seasons, softball seasons, track seasons, and that's what he mentioned. 
those those athletes aren't getting a season at all, and that's the the really sad thing, I think. Uh, it's 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 terrible, and and you know it's one of those that it's bad enough in the colleges, and and you know yeah you know they're talking about giving a year back, but think about the Division three kids that are going to graduate, you know, and you know Connor Sharp, who's you know Mercer County grad and pitch force mile legion, and you know going to Monmouth and and throw well, he's already got a teaching job next year, so I mean his college career's over, and, and I mean you talk about unfair, you put that much time into it, you got one more round at it, and you get to throw a game down south, and then you're done and uh it's just it, it really makes you feel for those people that have put that much time into it and, and like i said I, I mean i feel bad for the kids that didn't go get to go postseason uh in basketball but like i said it, it, it's a lot worse i think for the spring sports that that didn't even get a chance and and they're holding out hope maybe they can and so they got to keep training like hey maybe we're gonna get a chance at the high school level but the reality is that, that that's probably a long shot I want to talk to you about recruiting and how this affects what you do on two different levels in a second. But first talk to me about what you tell your team when this goes down and the guys you do have coming back or you do have coming in. And we have talked to so many basketball players over the last few weeks that have talked about just staying healthy and, and, and working out inside and staying strong and, and all that kind of stuff. How do you address or what do you tell your players when, when, when they want to know what they should be doing with themselves for, for you know, God knows how long? Well, and the, and that's the, the you know the odd thing is you know we we had our season ended uh, a week before spring break, so our, our routine is we give the give give the kids uh, that that week off until we get back from spring break, and then usually that week afterwards we start working out. We never got a chance to see them again, and uh, you know so our guys aren't coming back to campus now. You know they're online, uh, they're moved out of the dorms. They got a couple guys there in the apartments, but. You know, so, you know, things like, you know, we always have a, a end of the year meeting talking about, you know, what your plans for coming back, what do you got to do to get better, uh, things along those lines. We didn't get to have a chance to do that face to face. So we actually once once they, they the college announced that it was online the rest of the semester, you know, we went ahead and, and, I, and I, you know, you, you individually text guys and, uh, you know, you hate to, you hate to have an end of the year meeting like that it's much better, much more personal. I think much more effective to be able to do it face to face. But you know, it just it, the circumstances don't allow it. So um, it it changes everything in the off season. It changes preparation. And you know when I'm texting guys, it's like, coach, I can't wait to get back in the gym. And and uh, it's like, man, I I can't either. But you know, right now, so you know, individually, some of the guys that we're trying to put some size on are trying to gain some weight, you know, talking about some things, of, you know, trying to encourage them to watch film. Uh, but more than anything, Matt, hey, make sure you stay on top of your online classes. It, it, you know, I, I really worry about kids. We've got a good academic group. They did very well. We had over a 3.0 GPA first semester. But you start talking online and kids that aren't used to it, and there's some pitfalls involved in that that, that you worry about it. So, um, you know, so this time of year, normally now we, we're in the gym working out. And we're able to bring recruits in um, and, and, and give tours and see them play and things along those lines. And we haven't been able to do any of it. So it's it's really been an odd spring. Take me through the recruiting aspect of it because it's twofold for you. You have, one, you're trying to get kids to come into Blackhawk and be part of your program. And two, you're trying to get kids that you currently have to the next level or to where they want to continue their, their basketball career after Blackhawk. It's got to be tough on both ends of that. It, it, it is very tough, and it's one of those where, you know, the, the good news, if there is any good news, is this is happening in 2020 and not 2009. 
Um, so at least, you know, there's more film available. Uh, there's more uh, means to at least be able to see kids play. Uh, you know, we've got uh, our college admissions done a great job. So we've got a, a virtual campus tour uh, for kids we're trying to bring in. We can send them uh, the, the virtual campus tour so they can at least see the campus and, and see things along those lines and, and give us a starting point. Um, you know, it, it, so it, that makes it a little tough, though, to not be able to bring them. It's, it's different, you know, when you bring them in on campus and show them around and, and get a chance to meet with a face-to-face, sit down and, excuse me, and answer your questions. So, um, but I, I think it might be harder to, to move guys forward. Um, again, you send film out and, and, you know, we've got Terry Ford, um, who can come back, but he's also getting recruited by about five or six Division One schools. And, uh, you know, the, the Division Ones are really scrambling. And uh, so, you know, they're, we're trying to get film forward to guys. They're trying to talk to them. And, again, this is known, Matt, right now we can't, we can't have anybody come visit officially until April 15th. Um, Division Ones, uh, NCAA schools can't have anybody in until th- th- April 15th. And that's just right now. I mean, the, the reality is it, it's probably going to be longer than that. And so uh, the saving grace is that everybody is on the same playing field. Everybody's in the same boat. Uh, but, I, you know, so – but the technology you use as far as for incoming guys, uh, you know, talk to coaches, uh, get film, uh, and, and, and instead of just having highlight films available – you know, a lot of coaches have, have huddle, uh, have synergy, have some sort of a video thing so where you can see guys play complete games. But it, it's not the same for us as, as being able to get guys in the gym and work them out, which we can do at our level. And, and there's just no replacing that. So uh, the fear I worry about more than anything for kids is a year from now, you're going to have a lot of kids that, that are going to find out that maybe it wasn't the fit they thought because they had to pull the trigger and commit to a place before they can go visit it. And uh, that that's going to be difficult uh, on, on all fronts. But, uh, you know, you, you just you, – it's just we got to make best with, with the situation we have. And you mentioned it because this isn't like deciding what to have for dinner or what color car you want or even what kind of car you want. These are young people that are deciding what's best for the future, both athletically and basketball-wise – but academically as well, these are big life decisions, and it's it's hard to make those at this time. It, it, without question, and you know we've got you know a young man that I think is coming to us, uh, but you know before this hit, he wanted to visit a couple other places, and and I always encourage that. Hey, make sure you know what you're committing to. But the reality now is that we don't know when we're going to be able to have kids on campus and and or or other schools, so. It's one of those that that you also then get in a position where, hey, you know, we can't get to June and then, you know, be scrambling to find kids. So it's one of those that you are going to have kids deciding, um, you know, it's it's hard at our level. Uh, You know, you have these guys entering the the NCAA transfer portal. Um, They can't go see people. So you're you're really you're really making uh, decisions based on. A lot less information than you normally would have, and and uh, whether you're picking a school, whether you're buying a car, doing anything, uh, you know, you, you want to have the most information you can. And this year, information is just going to be, be be hard to come by. Talk to me a little more about college basketball, and, and I love I, I love talking hoops with you. And here in the Quad City area, I grew up enjoying the Iowa Illinois rivalry. I know you did as well. 
What was it fun to see those two games between Iowa and Illinois this year, and 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 the level of competition being so high, and, and I don't want to say the bad blood, but the, there was it was fun. I mean, there was definite um, dislike almost between the two teams. Yeah, and and like I said, it's one of those that you know I'm a I'm a lifelong Iowa fan, but you know uh, Illinois, I really like Brad Underwood. He was an assistant when I was a student down at Western Illinois, and I used to go in and talk in his office and talk to him. And he, he was a really good guy. So I was really glad to see him do well. And, and you just, you know, with those two coaches, those teams are always going to play with a bit of an edge. They're not going to back down. And I, I think more than anything, that's what you saw from both, both those programs is, you know, kids that just, they're, it means a lot to them. They're not going to back down. They're going to keep, keep battling. And it was funny because the fan bases were really kind of up in arms with each other. But when you listen to, to both Fred and Brad talk, there's no, there's nothing but respect between those guys. So I think that as long as those two coaches are going to be there, you're going to have that kind of battle. And, and I think that's great for the fans. I think it's great for the rivalry. I mean, I, I think, you know, going back to the eighties and nineties, this is the hottest that rivalry has been. Uh, and I wish, I really wish I could have seen those two teams play again for the third time. I don't care if they had any fans in the arena or not, that was going to be a, a battle. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that, uh, both teams, had, like I said, had some tough kids, and, and, and they really went at each other hard. And, uh, you know, hopefully every year we'll get treated to games like that. I tell you what, when you mentioned that, I was in Indianapolis, and I didn't care if there was fans there or not. Uh, a Friday afternoon Iowa versus Illinois game in which I could hear everything that yes. Fran McCaffrey and Brad Underwood <laughs> said. Sign me up for that, right? Oh, without question. You know, I mean, and it's one of those that, you know, they might have had to put it on a five-second delay at times. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those – and, and I was actually interested as a coach to, to to hear some games with that because then you hear the kids talk on the floor more. You hear them talk defensively. You hear all the communication that you don't get a chance to hear on TV with, you know, uh, you know 10,000, 15,000 people in the gym. Uh, that noise gets drowned out, and I think that's an aspect to the game that you find out which teams talk the most offensively um, and and listen to them. So I think you kind of almost get that game within a game in that setting that I thought was actually going to be pretty cool. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think think that would have been really, really interesting to hear both teams kind of go at each other uh, because, again, like I said, they played twice, they just played, and you knew that game was going to be pretty intense. As an Iowa fan, let me ask you, were you surprised by this team? Were you I mean, obviously pleasantly surprised? Did you see did you see this coming? And I guess even more specifically, did you see the type of year Luca Garza had coming? I, I I'd be lying if I said I, I, I saw it all coming because, you know, I, I I just you know, when you look at what they didn't have and you don't have Bohannon who's who's your leader and a guy that shoots it the way he does, you know, and he certainly plays with a lot of swag to him. Um, you know, you lose that. And that's a, that's a big loss. Uh, Nunji had obviously gotten better. Um, and, uh, it, and then I was really looking forward to seeing Patrick play because, you know, long six, eight kids that are, are bouncy. Those guys are fun to watch and, and you don't have that. And you man, they're just running out of bodies. And for them to step up and come together the way they did, I, I, I think, you know, I don't know how you don't give Fran McCaffrey the coach of the year in the Big Ten with what he did with what he had. And they just never backed down. Luca Garza, I mean, you talk about the poster child for what you can do if you really work hard because mm-hmm. as a freshman, you know, he come and you go, well, you know, he's, how athletic is he? And you still wonder how athletic he is, but 
boy, I tell you what, strong and tough takes you a long way in basketball. And uh, Luca, Luca showed this year how tough he was, and he showed fundamentally when you're fundamental and very, uh, and that's your base. Uh, you're awful hard to stop. And uh, but that, I mean, you still when you looked at individual, they still had a lot left. You know, Joe Wieskamp. How do you not love Joe? Um, and C.J. Frederick, you know, really shot it. So I, I thought it was a great example of what Fran did and a great example of you can't worry about what you don't have. You have to concentrate on what you do have, and they never lost sight of that. And I think that's why they were able to have the year that they had. Talking basketball with Blackhawk head basketball coach Darren Brazari. Coach, you've been in this area for so long on the college level, but you're from here. You grew up here. Um, you followed so many good Rock Ridge teams and helping out WRMJ in that. The basketball in this area, gosh, especially the last five to seven years, maybe ten, has gotten so good. Have you enjoyed it? And and am I am I, am I wrong? Because I mean, I, I I date myself. I'm forty. I know it was really good. I don't want to say. I just maybe it's more quantity too. The 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 amount of good players were. I know there was some great players back in the day. But I think the quantity of the great players seems to be more than ever before. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. Well, I, I don't know that it's better, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think it's worse. I, I think this has always been a good area. I think that, that we see a lot more of kids now than we used to. I think especially when you talk out of the area outside the Big Six uh, in the MAC there's a lot of really good players that maybe you didn't you didn't get to see 15 20 years ago mm-hmm. uh and, and a lot of really good teams so i think there's more exposure which is always a good thing i i think you know one of the things i think that's interesting over the years is i think the rivalries have gotten much friendlier because it's a much more interconnected world uh kids know each other um there's not the uh the bad blood type rivalries i don't know if there's a bad blood rivalry around and that didn't used to be the case, you know. But I, and I think that's made for I think that's made for more enjoyable games. Um, I think as uh, the the officiating's changed as far as letting the freedom of movement and things like that, uh, as opposed to the handshaking and stuff like that. I think that's allowed uh, the flow of the game to be a little better. So I think that's got a lot to do with with how the games evolved. Uh, I think more kids have access to playing. And off-season conditioning, uh, you know, the, the off-season training and things along those lines, you know. So I think I think that's kind of helped more breadth and depth of talent in the area, where we still got the really top-end guys, but I think your bottom-end guys are getting better too, and I think that has helped. Um, you know, the the one thing I wish would change, Matt, I wish we'd get the crowds back to where it used to be, sure. and and, uh, and just to give you some perspective. You know, if you're an outside area person, you come in, you, you think, wow, I, I remember when uh, uh, Coach Fish was first recruiting Tyler Hall. Uh, he came in, he was actually at Oregon uh, at that time, and he came up to, to watch him. We played, uh, I was watching uh, Rocky and was hosting Quincy, and he was just in awe of the crowd. And I'm like, Coach, this is nothing like it was, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. And I think it's just kind of the sign of the times a little bit, but. I feel bad for the kids because I think I think they miss out on on a little something. I think the student bodies around here are pretty good. Um, I, I wish sometimes that we'd let kids be kids instead of telling them no, you can't you can't say anything. And I just think the kids are so restricted. You know, obviously have good sportsmanship, but but let them let them have a little more fun uh, to to help with the atmosphere. But 
I, I wish I wish we could see you know five thousand people on a Friday night in a in a big six gym and and see packed gyms. I just think that that uh, we still see it in the postseason. We don't see it in the regular season as much. You mentioned it. I think gosh, it was it was Coach Ryan Weber's first year at United Township, and they had a really nice run, probably to the sectional championship game. And they played Rock Island in a regional at Moline. They moved to Moline, and it was Rocky, and that was. I mean, that place was packed, and I love Wharton Fieldhouse, but that was an amazing, amazing atmosphere, and people walked away saying, wow, what an atmosphere, and and I kind of said the same thing that you would say. I'd be like, well, I grew up going to like gyms like that all the time, and that's what it was always like, so I, I completely agree with what, what you say there. Um, I want to talk a few college basketball topics with you, and, and, and one of them coming up right now is is the – I want to say get out of jail free card, but it's basically you can transfer once without sitting out a year. Um, your thoughts on that? I, mine, mine right off the bat was I think it's a slippery slope because you're you're giving a kid an out and you're going to have to re-recruit your kids every year is what I worry about. Um, I understand that coaches can leave whenever they want to leave. Maybe there's a rule somewhere on there that says if a coach leaves, you can leave, and then you have that option. But I guess where, where, where is your opinion as a coach trying to keep kids to stay at a program if they're not getting the playing time, not getting the things they like, and they have the ability to leave and go wherever they want to go? Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, Matt. I'm all over the map on this one because on one hand, I, I think – I don't like the idea that – I think where culture's changed a lot. It used to be if you weren't playing, you had to work hard, you had to get better to play. Now I don't like things, I'm going to go play for a different AAU team. I don't like things, I'm going to go play for a different high school team. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, you know, I was always brought up being told once you quit once, it's it's easier to quit, to, to quit again. The next time is easier. And – it's one of those where I know over the years kind of I, I'm leery of kids that have played in a lot of AAU programs that have transferred high schools. And, and I don't take a lot of transfers at the JUCO level, to be honest, Matt, because what I – and maybe this is, is, is lack of sample size. Maybe it's not fair to some kids. But what I was finding early on in my years at Blackhawk is this is a kid that already decided one coach didn't know what he was talking about. Why did I want to be the second one? And so I, I think sometimes it's just, it, it's, it, it's, you know, I, I, when you talk about how things have changed, that's, that's really changed things over the years. Again, the transfer culture. At the same time, you know, I, I know sometimes there are coaches that are one way when they're recruiting a kid, then when they get there, it's completely different because, hey, I got you now. And, and that's, that's not always good. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel for kids in that situation. But yeah, as a coach, it's one of those, I'm not going to keep recruiting you. I already, I already recruited you once, and I've been in that situation before with JUCO guys. And, well, I, I may, came, may come back, I may not. And it's just, well, hey, you let me know within a week or so what, what your plans are because i got to move on with you without you. And I just I think coaches will kind of get to that. The other part of it, Matt, that, that I don't think we talk about enough is, you know, there's a lot of times coaches make mistakes, uh, and, and it happens at the Division One level. They make mistakes, and they'll run a kid off. So why is that kid being punished and having to sit when maybe he got over-recruited? Maybe the coach got him and didn't do his homework on him and found out he wasn't what he thought he was, and so, you know, the kid bears all the onus for that. 
and that's not a good thing either. So, uh, and then, you know, don't even get me started on, you know, this kid is declared, can play right away, this kid's got to sit, and all that stuff that goes on with the rules of the NCAA. So I think that just makes it easier to say, okay, hey, we're going to fix this problem. You get one chance um, to go. I think the grad transfer thing, they tried to, to make it, but I think that became kind of, kind of almost a joke with, you know, um, it was supposed to be if you, you transferred somewhere where they didn't have your, your master's program, and everybody got I – mean, I, did you ever hear of anybody get turned down because they didn't have a master's program that was unique? I mean, it, it was – so it just became too hard to police. So it's kind of the acknowledgement that we can't police it. We can't make everything fair. So we're going to give everybody one time uh, to change their mind, and then we're going to go. So, you know, I think um, – I worry – not so much for the Iowa's and the Illinois, Matt. I worry about the Montana States and the Western Illinois because, you know, you do a great job. You bring a kid in. You identify him uh, that he's going to be really good. You get him in. He has a great freshman year. And now all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Michigan. I'm going to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 really unfair um, to schools that do a good job and give a kid a chance. But you know, I, I, I don't know that there's a great answer. I think this is probably the best solution, um, you know, of, of anything. Uh, but I certainly agree with you that if a coach uh, gets fired or a coach chooses to leave, then those kids should be able to go somewhere else. Because I, I think this whole this whole fallacy, pretend land of, well, the kid didn't commit to the, the coach. He committed to the university. That's I mean, come, let's, let's have a little common sense here. You know, it's one of those that, that that's not what's happening. The kids at, at that level are being recruited by a coach, and if that coach wasn't there, chances are they, they wouldn't be there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's one of those things, too, where you it, it makes it hard for a coach to, 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 I don't want to say bench, but to sit somebody if they're not doing what they want them to do to learn that lesson and get better and move on because then they just turn around. and. But I'm also all for empowering college athletes because they are doing a lot uh, which kind of brings me to my next man I tell you what coach a few years ago I would have told you that I didn't have any of my school paid for I didn't get any school paid for I didn't get my school loans done until I finally got married and I married a smart lady who could help me pay them off um so I always thought no they don't deserve to be paid because they're getting you know an education and and this that whatever being becoming closer with and friends with the Ethan Haps of the world and the, 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 the Nicholas Bears and the Chase and Randalls and, and just talking with them, I'm starting to come around a little bit more on the fact that they probably need to be compensated more than what they get. I don't know where the slippery slope goes when you start exchanging money between schools and students and it gets funky. What the looks like they will do now is the get paid for their likeness. Um, just your thoughts on the whole subject, and, and I'm evolving. I'm an old guy. I, I don't feel old, but I'm 40 now, and I feel like I'm evolving a little bit to the times of, of maybe what's going on. But what, what's your opinion on the whole situation? You know, I, I think I, I don't think it's out of line to give them something. I mean, from the standpoint that it's a full time job, and I mean, when you when you as you said, you get to know those guys, and you know, you find out what all goes into it, and I mean, it, it's it's a lot of hours and, and they're not allowed to have part-time jobs. 
you know, and so yeah, that that makes it difficult for them. And meanwhile, they're bringing in millions of dollars. I mean, if you don't believe it, look at look at the the story that came out last week of the checks going to the universities. How much it came off because there was no March Madness yeah. this year. And you know, I I remember if you watched, I think the thirty for thirty on the Fab Five and Jalen Rose talking about how you know you they went and they're seeing people sell their jersey. Because people are buying it because it's Jalen Rose's jersey, and he gets nothing out of it, yeah. and that just doesn't seem fair. At the same time, you know, you said you worry about the slippery slope, but man, let's let's not be naive. The no. people are going to cheat are cheating already. <laughs> yeah, and, very true. I mean, so I mean, if you you think you're the SEC players, I mean, they'd take a pay cut if you said, hey, this is all you're going to get. They'd yeah. be upset about that, you know. But it's one of those uh, where I worry about it, Matt. Is um, you know. Uh, you or I, you know, are on the same team. You're the star. I'm the guy that, that that's the tenth or eleventh guy. This is believable. You're, you're, I believe this so far. Well, you know, I, I thought we'd make it. We'd stretch it out to fantasy land. <laughs> uh, but you know, so so you know, the car dealership wants you to do, come do the commercial. Uh, the local uh, restaurant has you go do it, and and I'm not getting anything. But I'm putting the same hours you are in, and mm. I, I I don't know how they make that equitable. And I I think that. I think that is is going to be tough. Uh, the other thing you police is who determines, you know, how much you get compensated for your likeness. And uh, you know, hey, I'm going to have you come down and, and and greet hands, you know, greet people at the car dealership on a Saturday, and I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars to do it. Is that fair? Is that not fair? You know, it, it, so I, 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 you know, are you are you just making what's happening legal? Um, and and how do you draw that line? And I, I so I, I I think I think they got closer to at least helping when they started, um, you know, giving them the, the the educational cost or value or whatever they did a few years ago, where they do get some check if they're not living uh, in the dorms or things along those lines. However, they figured that 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 process. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. Then you know, let's face it. Let's talk about. You know, baseball guys. Those guys put in a ton of hours too. Are they are they going to have the same opportunities as the basketball players, the football players? Um, are the women's basketball players going to have the same opportunities as the softball players? And they're not putting. In, if the argument is how much time they're putting in, they're not putting in any less time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, you know, is it going to be a Title Nine issue in places where um, you know you know men are given more opportunities than women? So I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how this all fleshes out. And how it moves forward, um, but I think there's always going to be a lot of a lot of questions. But there's always ways people are going to try to get around it. One more for you. I got a story, and then one other question that I can probably follow up with it. But I, it was 2015 or 2016. I know you don't know the year, but one of the nice things about about this silver lining of being inside is I've I've watched Game Seven of the 2016 World Series. Um, I went back and watched the last 15 minutes of Michael Jordan's basketball career against Utah. It was 15 minutes, three minutes of the game, 15 minutes, just things like that I've gotten to revisit. And my Facebook memories brought up, it was 2015 or 2016, I know you're going to know what it is, but we started March Madness and I was in Peoria and I was covering the Big Ten Tournament and Iowa had lost the day earlier and we were trying to figure out how to get everybody covered. I think PV was up in Des Moines, Rocky and UT were still playing, Rock Ridge was down in Peoria in the state semifinals, and we got everything covered except for that Rock Ridge game in Peoria and I said and this is no disrespect to Illini fans but they were playing Purdue and they were going to get housed and I said they're most likely going to lose if I shoot my ins and outs at halftime 
I know what the story's going to be. I'll grab some quick interviews, put things together, and me and my photographer, Scott Weiss, will get on the road and head towards Peoria. And the Illinois was down 20 at the half. We did just that. We got moving. We hustled from the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis over to Peoria to watch in my opinion, is the greatest shot I'll see in person. Uh, Carson Frakes hitting a three-quarter course shot left-handed when he's a right-hander to, uh, to advance to the state championship game. Um, being able to relive those kind of things and, and going through that stuff is the nice part of maybe slowing down life a little bit and, and being able to breathe and, and remember some things. Is that the best shot you've ever seen? Because I know you were there. Uh, yeah, it, it was incredible. Of course, I was protested. You know, I had uh, you know, my son was on that team, and and uh, it actually made a couple of really nice plays in that game. And and uh, you know, we started coaching. You know, Carson started playing with us as a first grader uh, in the Y League. So you know, having coached those kids coming up, and, and of course Gentry Whiteman joined us. I think he was a seventh grader uh, or sixth grader, one of the two. And and um, you know, so I was pretty pins and needles anyway. Um, and. You know, broadcast with my good friend Jim Taylor, and we were actually right behind Carson. So, if you ever have heard that, I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. Uh, the clip of our broadcast, you hear me yell, "Get in!" because I could see at the apex that it was right on line. And of course, you never know, you know, long or short, but it was one of those where I knew it had a chance. And uh, the crazy thing about that man. When Carson was third, fourth, fifth grade, sometimes he'd shoot left-handed, sometimes he'd shoot right-handed. And you know, about fifth grade, I, I talked to him and his dad. I said, at some point, he's got to decide if he's left-handed or right-handed, or he's never going to be a good shooter. He's just not going to be consistent with it. And uh, so he ended up being a right-handed shooter. But on long-distance shots like that, he he would apparently shoot it left-handed. And I mean, you know, when you go through that, and I still show people that film. I said, this is. This is the the wildest finish that you're probably ever going to see. The only one that that rates up there was when Pat Lower, who's now the football coach at Fulton, threw in a shot at the buzzer over his head uh, to be my brother's team at Westmer uh, in a regional semifinal. Uh, but other than that, it's, this, this is going to be the craziest because Gentry falls, and again, when you hear that WRMJ clip, you hear Jim's voice sink yeah. because it's like, well, this is over. And Jim kind of looked down or looked up at the clock about the time Carson let it go. And it was just absolutely, absolute bedlam. And uh, it, it was it was the craziest finish I've seen, especially when you talk about what was on the line there. Mm-hmm. And in uh, that group of kids, again, Rockridge, you know, we talk a lot. I talk a lot about mental toughness and, and, and being tough and playing together. And, you know, I'm biased because, again, you know, my son's on the team and, 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 and I – grew up coaching those guys but you know, that was that was one of the mentally toughest high school teams I've seen and uh, for them to hang in and then give themselves a chance and then Carson delivering the miracle it was just it, to me it's fate two things real fast one that was their state championship it didn't matter what happened the next day that you they could have won the state championship the next day and they would still remember that shot and two you talked about afterwards so we're hustling over to get there and and to, to, to boast a little bit we were the only ones that hustled over to get there 
And so there's a rule, and you know it, that they have a cooling off period where the the player when you're in the state tournament they have to go and cool off before they talk to the media. Well, we're they're basically in the break before sports when that goes in, and we have our live stuff up and ready to go. And I run out there and I grab Toby and I said, Toby, can I go live with you in like two minutes? And he said, expletive, yes. <laughs> and so uh, I was getting ready, and Matt Troja comes over. And he's like, Matt, Matt. And I had called him earlier in the day because I didn't have passes. I was in, I was in Indianapolis. I wasn't planning on going to the state. So I I called him and said, Hey, you know, what am I supposed to do? Because they're back at the station. I ain't going to swing through the quad cities and get back down there. And he said, well, take care. So he knew my situation and he comes over, he goes, Matt, you know, you can't do this. And I looked at Matt and I said, Matt, I'm the only TV station in this place. Can I please do this? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, you earned it. Go ahead. So we were live with Toby right afterwards. And I, like I said, there's going to, one of these days people are going to eventually run me off TV and I won't be doing this no more. or I'll get to go off on my own, but that'll be one of the top three moments that I'll talk about is that that entire day to start in Indianapolis and to finish in Peoria with that place going crazy. We finished the day showing Carson the shot on our laptop. After the media session, we pulled him over because he hadn't seen it yet. And we right. actually, my photographer, Scott Weiss, was smart enough that he shot Carson watching the play for the first time to get his reaction, which was really cool, too. So, anyways, you know what, Coach? I love chatting with you. I, I could do this all afternoon, but as you know, I have four kids tearing the house apart. So, I appreciate you doing this, and um, uh, good luck and everything. Stay healthy. Keep your pants – you're just down the street from me. Keep your pants on. Stay fully clothed down there. Hey, hey, I'm good. The cats and dogs don't care, so we're good. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Matt. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.